0: Hello, everyone. How's it going? Good to see you guys. You guys feeling good? Yeah? Man, I'm telling you what. The energy in the room post-summer has plummeted. You guys must be so sad. Is it really that bad? Is it really that hard? Is life really that difficult because school has started? Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. How is school going? Please tell me. Yes. No. There's a mixed room. It's like, the cool thing is to be like, school's lame. But there's like 20 to 30% of you in the room who's like, I actually really like school. And then like everyone else is like, nah, dude, like not even cool, not even a thing. But it's okay if you like school. Totally all right. It's a really cool thing to do. Well, guys, we're here. We're Wednesday nights. Our summer series is over. Tonight is an ethos night. It's uh, something that we like to do. Uh, It reminds us. So we at Citizens Youth have six discipleship values. We have six things that define who we are as a ministry and why we do the things that we do. And every so often about, uh, you know, just maybe quarterly or maybe even just three times a year, we highlight uh, just one of those things. And we take a break from our regularly scheduled like sermon series and we talk about why it's important uh, uh, to, to highlight that discipleship value. And so we finished up our series in Romans chapter eight. Uh, We're going to be starting a brand new series next week. Do you guys want to know what it is? You guys will have to come and find out. Sorry. Just kidding. I'll tell you at the end of the sermon. It kind of blends into the sermon, so I'll tell you at the end. So you have to pay attention. But we're starting a brand new series next week. I want you to be there. I want you to bring your friends. We are going to have a time of connection after the sermon, all right? So we're going to have a time where we get to hang out with each other, grade, gender, all that fun stuff. And next week, I can confidently tell you this, that time that we have, do you remember we did this last time? We had pizza the first night last time. We're doing that again next week. So you're going to want to be there, invite your friends. It's going to be a good time. Tonight, our ethos, the thing that we are talking about, is uh, engaging in gospel mission. Engaging in gospel mission. Mission and the symbol for this is a nice, lovely chair with a pink background in the back. And uh, this chair is twofold. This chair's got a couple different meanings that we're going to talk about. But uh, as we're here, as you guys have started school, as you guys have uh, dived back into the world of school, I can tell many of you are tired. Come on, look up at me, wake up. Many of you are tired. I know this. Uh, is there anything that you guys do? in the rhythm of school and sports and work for many of you guys, is there anything that you guys do that you just need to do to like relax, to just like chill? Like do you guys have like your ritual, your like thing that you're like, dude, if I am so busy, if I had a super stressful week at work, if I had a super stressful week at at school doing a bunch of homework or this or that, or like my teacher was really mean to me, but I'm homeschooled, so my mom was mean to me or like things like that, you know, it's like, if you just had like a super stressful week and then you have like a Friday night and it's all to yourself and you get to decide what you do, do you have something that you do that like causes you to just like just totally chill? I personally had a Friday night rhythm. I like a Friday night rhythm. It was a ritual almost. It was something that I was so looking forward to. I remember very specifically, specifically when I was a freshman in high school, I did the math the other day and I realized it was 10 years ago and I was like, oh my gosh, what? Oh, sorry. Um, I was like 10 years ago, I was a freshman in high school, and I remember very specifically, I did a swim practice, I did cross country and swim, uh, were the sports I did in high school. Many people have kindly told me that those aren't real sports, it's fine. I did those activities, whatever, in high school. And I remember Friday nights after swim practice, I'd come home, I'd eat food, and I would go to my favorite chair in the house. It was this this wonderful chair that we had in my family for like so many years that it was just like worn in perfectly, right? And so I would, every Friday, I would go, I'd sit on this chair, and I would have with me two, not one, because this was Friday. So I had two cosmic brownies. Very good. Super bad for you, but I like swam a bunch, so it was fine back when I was in shape. But I had two cosmic brownies, a glass of milk, and sometimes popcorn as well with it. Again, not, not recommend it, but I would sit down. I'd have all these things with me. I would turn on the television and I would watch Star Wars, the Clone Wars. And I was just living life. Yes. This was like season like three or four. And it was on Cartoon Network on Friday nights at nine o'clock. It wasn't a Disney plus show. It was a Cartoon Network show and it was the best. All right. And it still is the best. It says Disney+, Plus. it's, it's mostly Cartoon Anyway, all that to say, that's just what I did, man. And I was like, dude, I don't care what happens to me. This is awesome. I'm just chilling. I'm so excited. I got really comfortable in that chair, right? I got like super comfortable sitting there every single Friday night. And then sometimes I was feeling really spicy. I'd watch an episode of Mythbusters as well, right? All right, on Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I recorded all these things, didn't stream it, had, had to record them. Um, anyways, all of that to say, I'd get really comfortable in that chair, right? And maybe you have something like that. Maybe you have something like that. Maybe if you're in the room and you're like a gamer, you're like, dude, I just need to sit in my chair. I'd put my headset on. I need to grind it on Fortnite. I don't know if people still play Fortnite. Is this still a thing? I play Fortnite with a couple of people in this room. That's right. That's right. Fortnite for life. <laughs> Whoa, no hate. No, only love for Fortnite. Um, Anyway, and so maybe if you're a gamer, you're just like, dude, I just need to like chill. I just need to like play this game. Uh, maybe if it's like, dude, I don't know, I don't care what it is, as long as I'm with people and like we get to hang out, I'm totally, totally comfortable there. Or maybe if it's like, I'm a book nerd, and if I get to read The Hobbit again or The Lord of the Rings series again, like I'm just living life. I'm so excited. And we all kind of have these rituals. We all kind of have these things that like we're super comfortable with. And if we get to do them, we're just like, we're just chilling. We're super comfortable in that. And it's funny, and we say these things, and we, we joke about certain things, but oftentimes in life, we try and build for ourselves a chair, so to speak. We try and build for us, like, a chair that we are just, like, not physically, so to speak. You'll see where I'm going with this in a second. We, we, we try and create situations. We try and uh, bring things around us. We try and hold things closely so that we can have the most comfort possible, right? you got your brownies, you got your milk, you have like the chair perfectly seated in front of the television. You make sure it's at the perfect temperature or temperature volume. It's kind of, I don't know why I said that. It could be the perfect temperature. You can have a blanket on if you like it the cold or not the cold or whatever. And you just try and create for yourself a perfect situation. And oftentimes in life, we're taught that that is like kind of the goal. That's like kind of what you're supposed to be doing. As long as you find something that makes you comfortable, you're good. As long as you find something that you uh, enjoy and it's not hurting anyone else and it's just like you are super comfortable in it, then you're fine. If you have that person in your life, that boyfriend, girlfriend, then you'll be fine. If you have that, uh, you know, certain amount of money in your bank account, then you know what, I'm going to be comfortable with that. If I have uh, that certain house in that certain area, cool, I'm going to be super, super comfortable With that. If I have these friends, if I go to this college, if I get this degree, I'm gonna be comfortable with that. And you might hear me, and you're like, that's what everyone tells us, that's just kind of like what we do. But tonight we're going to see that there's nothing inherently wrong with those specific things, right? It's not wrong to desire to get into a school. It's not wrong to have a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's not wrong uh, to do any of these things. But we are wrong when we believe that those things are the end-all, be-all mission of us as people to be comfortable. And tonight we're going to see that God has called us to get out of our chairs, the chairs that we're super comfortable with, the things that we've built, God has called us to a mission that isn't exactly comfortable. He's called you and me to a mission, the reality of a, of a, of a mission with Christ, with Jesus, that is not always going to be super duper comfortable. And that's totally okay. Because that's the, pur- that's the point, that's the purpose. That's the thing that God has called us to do. That's what we're gonna see tonight. Open up your Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, we're going to be in verses 16 through 20 tonight. We're going to see Jesus does this incredible thing here in Scripture. Jesus does this incredible thing where he has called his people to mission. He has called his people to a great mission that is going to last forever. And the thing that he called these specific 11 people to do on this hilltop somewhere near Galilee, we are also called to do as well. And so I want to encourage you tonight pay very close attention to these words. Pay very close attention to these words. We have things, right? Every time we teach teach from scripture, it's super important. But there are some passages that are like, dude, if you don't get this, it's like, like, what are we doing if you don't get this passage, right? It's one of those core passages. It's like, You know, other than salvation, it could be like the most important thing that we understand about what we're supposed to do on this earth. It is so important. Listen uh, as I read this Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, and some doubted. And Jesus came to them, and he said, the age. This is our mission as Christ followers. One point tonight, well, we don't have one point. We have one main idea tonight, like we do every week, that I want you guys to write down. Disciples of Jesus are called to go and make more disciples. Disciples of Jesus are called to go and to make more disciples disciples. Man, if you guys don't get this, if we don't understand this, if this isn't the core, and if this isn't like an ethos, like thing that we believe so deeply to our core, then like what is the point? We are called to make disciples. And maybe you're in the room right now and you're like, I don't even know what that word means. You're saying these big words. I don't quite get it. It's totally fine. We're going to talk all about it. But before we do that, would you guys pray with me as we dive into scripture again? God, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for this text and, and for your uh, beautiful, beautiful plan of salvation uh, for the nations and for the world. We love you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. So this is where we're at. We're at a hillside in Galilee, and this is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And these 11 dudes are now standing with Jesus on a hillside. And so if you don't know the story, if you don't know Jesus, I'd love to tell you more about him. Jesus was a man, he lived 2000 years ago, roughly. He was, uh, he came, uh, he was born to a very poor family. He was born in a manger. There was no place for him to be as a baby. And he was put in like uh, a feeding trough for animals right? And he was the living and is the living, breathing son of God. God's plan to save us, to save the world. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and he was killed, and he was uh, put on a cross. He was then buried, and he rose again. And all of the Old Testament, is pointing to that reality. It's professing, it's prophesying over the fact that Jesus will come. There will be a savior, there will be a king. He will be named Emmanuel, which means Christ with us. There's all these wonderful things that are said all throughout the Old Testament. And then here in the gospels, the first gospel of Matthew, we see just that happen. A king, a savior comes to this earth and he looks a lot different than like what God's people thought he was gonna look like. They thought maybe he'd be like a conqueror to like kick out these Romans who are like uh, encroaching in on their land and their, their, their rituals and their, uh, their heritage. And they're like, we need someone to take back our land, to give us power, to give us the thing that we need. And Jesus came to preach an upside down kingdom to serve those who persecute you, to love those who persecute you, to, uh, to go and to serve those who are attacking you. Jesus preaches this upside down kingdom. He challenges the powers that be because he's preaching the truth. And then he dies buried, risen again. And all that he has done, and here we are on the hillside. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 11 guys on a hillside 2,000 years ago is what we were working with here And then thousands and thousands of years later, we have millions of people who know Jesus. Billions of people who know Jesus. Billions of people who have heard his name. Billions of people who have professed him as savior. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of churches around our country, hundreds and thousands and thousands of churches around the world, all because Jesus said, hey, go make disciples and teach them the things I taught you. And do the things that I taught you to do. Go make disciples, and here we are because of these words. These words are important, and these words are for you. These words are for you because these words are for the nations. They're for us to believe, to know as disciples of Jesus, to go out and make other disciples. Disciples of Jesus are called to go and make disciples. Disciples, Listen to this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go. Go. The imperative. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, you may be listening to this story. You may be reminded of the trajectory of the Gospels, the trajectory of who Jesus is. You may be hearing these things, and you may be thinking, okay, is this a new idea, like this missions-type work, this like, idea of going out and telling people about Jesus? Is this like a brand-new thing? Did Jesus start this thing? I'm glad you're asking that, and I don't want you to turn there, but I want you to listen very closely to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12. So if you don't know Genesis, first book of the Bible, very beginning, it tells the beginnings, the creation, the fall of man, all that stuff. It, it shows the incredible beauty of a God who wants to have relationship with his people, but then the incredible failure of people because of sin and the reality that God has in the very beginning, even in the Garden of Eden, we see this trajectory to reconciliation to this trajectory on this point where God now wants to make himself available to dwell with his people again. Even though sin separates us, God is on a mission to save. We see that all the way back in the Garden of Eden and then very specifically here in Genesis chapter 12. Keep those words in mind, right? Go therefore and make disciples. This is what Abram, so before Abraham, fun fact, his name was Abram. God likes to change people's names. It's a thing that happens all the time. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country. Do we hear that word already? Go from your country. Thousands of years before Jesus. Thousands of years before the living dwelling son of God, the, the, the God in flesh would appear on the earth. The very beginning in the grand scheme of human history, towards the very beginning, Abram is told this, go, go from your father's country. And your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This guy, God calls him out of his chair, out of his seat living in his father. like he, he, He's in his country, uh, his father's house. He's probably got lots of wealth, lots of um, you know, authority, lots of status. And God says, hey, you go and you will be a, a nation that I will bless. I'll make a great nation of you. Not to mention his uh, wife couldn't give birth to children at the time. That's a whole different story. He says, Abram, go and I will make you a great nation. And then it just, it, he doesn't just say this, he says this, so in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's goal from the beginning was to create a royal people, a people, a royal priesthood, uh, First Peter calls people who are separate, sacred, chosen by God to be like God, but not just to be like God's special homies, to be like, all right, cool, I'm good with you guys, but like no one else. He says, no, this people go, And all those people in the world will be blessed because of the ministry of the people of Israel. That's God's plan here in Genesis 11 or Genesis 12. That's his plan from the beginning to bless those through his people, to bless the people around the nations, the pagan nations, the people who didn't know God. He says, if they bless you, if they understand the God you serve, I will bless them. And if they don't, I will protect you against them. I will fight for you on your behalf. God has chosen a group of people to accomplish his mission. This is Genesis chapter 12, right? Thousands of years before Jesus. All pointing to Jesus, but way, way, way before. And if you read the rest of the story, you know, it's a little rocky. God's people, the people of Israel have an interesting relationship with rules. They don't like to follow them. They don't follow them. And God's purpose isn't always uh, fully accomplished because God has commanded them to be uh, wholly set apart and they don't listen. The goal is to bless the nations around them and they don't. The, The plan is to go out and be lights in the dark world and they're sometimes darker than the darkest parts of the dark world. And it's like, dude, what the heck? This is you, this is the calling as people of Israel. Go therefore, get out of your chair, get out of your comfort zone, Get out of the thing that you've been doing that is just convenient for you and go. And we see this incredible story. Fast forward Jesus, the, pro- the, the promised Son of God, the King who came to save the people of God, is here. He is current. He is there. And he now says, Go therefore from this hillside in Galilee and make disciples of all nations. Look at this, verse 18. And Jesus came, he said to them, All authority and on heaven and earth has been given to me. So we see clearly that God has a heart for the nations. God has a plan and purpose and mission for his people. He has a thing. He doesn't just give you salvation. He didn't just give you your faith in Jesus. He didn't just give you the Bible. All those things are incredible and amazing. He didn't just give you those things so that you can just like sit in your chair to sit in your little box say, okay, this is my thing. I got a good thing going on here, right? I'm receiving like Christian content into my brain on Sundays and Wednesdays. I have my preferred theological stance. I have my preferred expression of worship. I'm just going to stay here for the next uh, like 60, 70 years, and then I'll be dead, and then I'll see Jesus. That's great. All those things are amazing, right? But God has called you to go and do something about it. Because the good news of Jesus is to be professed to the nations, to be professed to the ends of the earth, to be professed to the, to the, to the ends of the earth, to the Judea and Samaria and to the places that people necessarily didn't want to go at the time. And then he says this incredible thing, verse 18. And then he says, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. This is the first point I want us to get down. Verse 18 shows us that Jesus' authority gives his disciples boldness. Jesus' authority gives his disciples boldness. The people who are following after Jesus are emboldened not because they 're qualified, not because they 're like the coolest people, not because they 're the most powerful people, because they have the like most uh, you know persuasive leadership skills, the most like amazing leadership skills no 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 they 're not chosen for any of those things, they were chosen by God to accomplish his Purpose and they are emboldened not because of their skill set, not because of their background, but because God has authority and Jesus was given all authority, and they were super close with Jesus. We talked about this like two weeks ago. It's very similar to what we talked about at the end of Romans chapter 8, right? More than conquerors in Jesus. More than conquerors in Jesus. We are, uh, you know, we're more than that. We are never going to be separated from the love of God, not because of what we've done, but because of our proximity to Jesus. There's this boldness that comes with professing and to engaging, to going on gospel mission, to doing gospel work, to professing the name of Jesus. Where does the boldness come from for you and me? It's not from ourselves. It's not from our background. It's not from our own perspective or our own intellect. It's because we're super close with Jesus because we know Jesus. We are close to Jesus. And he has all the authority on heaven and earth. All of it. Hey, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And so like go and do stuff because of it. Tell other people about me. Disciple other people. Have them also be disciples of me because of you. Go, therefore, and do that for me. That's what Jesus says. It's not because of what they brought to the table. It's because of who Jesus was. And we're in the same spot. As followers of Christ, if you're in this room, you know Jesus, you love Jesus, you're following after him, you're becoming more like him every day. It's not your, you know how long you've been going to church. It's not how much you know about the Bible. It's not if you can recite all these like five major theological points of Calvinism or whatever. It's not any of these things. It is because of your proximity to Jesus. Now you have the authority that he carries, right? He is the one who is sovereignly working throughout the nations and he has invited you in on that thing. He has invited you in on that mission, He's invited you into a life that is not comfortable, but it is full of purpose. He's invited you into a life that is not comfortable, but it is full of joy. He has invited you into a life that is not easy, but it's a life that is going to see fruit of, of, of people coming to know him, to people coming to see that Jesus is king and Jesus is Lord over all these things. All Authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. We talked about it like two weeks ago, right? The smartest kid in your class is on your like team for like a project you're doing. You're like, yes, thank goodness. This is awesome. Cause I know they're super smart. And I'm just gonna kind of tag along with them, right? If LeBron James is on your pickup basketball team, it's like, sweet, I'm great. I got this. Everything's gonna be fine. And when Jesus says all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and Jesus is calling you on to this mission, there's nothing that you can't uh, you know, accomplish. There's nothing that you can't do when Jesus has called you to it. If God has called you to do something, he will give you absolutely everything that you need in order to accomplish it. If God has called you to mission, if God has called you to do something, he will equip you. He will give you absolutely everything that you need in order to accomplish the thing that he's called you to do all the time, always, because he has all authority on heaven and earth, right? And we read this, go therefore make disciples of all the nations. And we're kind of scared. It's kind of terrifying, right? Oh man, me, God, I don't know. You don't know what I've done. You don't know, I've only been a Christian for like, I don't know, like a year or two or like, I don't know, I I don't really know a ton about the Bible or I'm really, I'm like super shy or like I can't really get out of my comfort zone. I don't know how to do these things, right? And you're like, maybe God, you should try and find someone more qualified to do it. Maybe you should try and find someone who's super on fire for you. God, maybe you should call people who would like get it, who understand it, who have their stuff together. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then who does he call to do this? The people who are just doubting. God has called you to mission. He doesn't call you because you're super you know, healthy. You have a super you know, impressive resume, right? We're all called to a job that we're not qualified for, but we can accomplish and we can, can succeed at that job because of the one that we're serving. Everyone in this room has been called to a job that is like way out of our pay, like pay range. Like it's just way out of our like depth. May disciples go to the nations. Uh, okay, maybe all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus and Jesus invites the people who are doubting and the people who are worshiping to do it. And we see what happened. We're here, the church exists today. The Bible's in our hands. We're professing Jesus. You think that was just an accident? You think it just kind of happens? It's just kind of a tradition that we do to make ourselves feel better about ourselves? No, this is the living, breathing church of Christ. Citizens Youth is a ministry of a church called Northwest Gospel Church. We are a ministry of the church of Jesus. We submit to Jesus and then we do what he says to do. We go, therefore, because of these truths. We do something. We do something and we're emboldened because of it. God's not called us. We, it can be terrifying. It can be scary. Yes, but we are called to be bold in this pursuit. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You have a mission. You have a job that you're not qualified for, but he has qualified you. He has called you, and we get to succeed because of the one that we are serving. Like, imagine that. Imagine if, like, this was a different story. Jesus was on a hillside, and he's sitting with his disciples, and he's like, okay, hi, I'm back. Congratulations. I'm here. I need you guys now to hand me a resume. I would like to see where you went to college. I'd like to see A time maybe that you have built something with a group of people. You rallied together a group of people to accomplish something. I'd like for you to give me what you think leadership is. I'd like for you to tell me some of your strengths, some of your weaknesses, right? And then in that moment, it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And like Jesus is like, okay, the job description is to go out, make disciples of all the nations. If you could see about 3,000 people saved on your first sermon, that would be awesome too. All these things would be great. Go out and do those things. And that moment be like, dude, I can't do those things. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. I'm sure people sinning. the 11 disciples standing on the hillside would be like, what, us? Me? God has called you. God has called us to be engaged in gospel mission. It's not because of what we bring to the table, but it's because of who Jesus is. All authority he has and our proximity to him is what emboldens us to go out and make disciples. Jesus' authority gives his disciples boldness. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So the second point tonight, Jesus' mission is to send his disciples to make disciples. Jesus' mission is to send his disciples to make disciples. And so now you might be in this room right now, and you're thinking, okay, what does that word even mean? disciples somebody who is following after Jesus and acting more like Jesus every day is how i would just describe it right i didn't pull that out of a dictionary that might not be the most theologically correct one but it's anyone who is following Jesus and is becoming more like Jesus who is learning from Jesus is becoming a disciple if you wanted to be like the best engineer in the world if you're like super interested in in, in like you know, the world of engineering, you would find someone who is uh, great in that field and you just sit with them and say, can I like watch what you're doing? Can you let me try some of the things that you're doing? Can you teach me some of the things that you are doing, right? You'd say apprenticeship or mentorship, things like that, right? That's where this idea of disciple comes in. God, can you just like show me the things that you do? Jesus, can you just teach me like what you want me to know? Jesus, can you be near me? Can, Can I like try to do some of these things that you've done? Could could I like, and then someone who's in that process, who's becoming more and more like Jesus every day, that's a disciple. And Jesus says, hey, I know you're my disciples, but go out and make more of them. And then those people make more and make more and make more. And then here we are. Jesus had 12 dudes, 11 dudes at the end. One of them wasn't so great. He's got 11 dudes and then we have the church. It's, it's God's sovereignty over all things. Yes, but this is his mission. This is what he wants for us to do. And so Jesus' mission is to send his disciples and make more disciples. And so right now you're probably thinking, how can I do that? How can I do that? I'm only 12 years old, I'm only 13. Make disciples, I don't know, man. Like maybe when I'm like 20, 25, right? Maybe if I'm like, you know, go to Bible college, maybe if I do this or that. No, God has called you now. If you're a follower of Jesus, there is a mission now. It has started the day that you became a Christian and it will not end until you see Jesus face to face. This is the mission. This is the thing that you're supposed to do. This is where we're going. So how do we make disciples? How can we do this? One, first of all, uh, maybe you should probably tell other people about Jesus. That would be be a really good start. It's called evangelism. It's called being bold. It's called stepping out of your comfort zone, getting out of your chair, telling that person in your class, yeah, in school, I know it's terrifying. It's so scary, but we have to do it. You have to tell other people about Jesus. It's first of all telling them. You're like, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, dude, like, you just tell them all the things that he's done for you. It's super easy. Christians are kind of supposed to stand out in the crowd. We're like kind of awkward Christians. It's just like, we're just like weird. You know, we do weird things, and that's kind of okay, Like, it's fine to like go to parties and not do certain things because you're a Christian. You're supposed to stand out. Like, it's okay to like be bold enough to say, oh no, like I'm gonna skip practice because I have to go to church on Wednesday night. Like, it's okay to do those things because we're supposed to stand out. A peculiar people, uh, 1 Peter chapter two calls us, a peculiar people, people who stand out. So first of all, we tell other people about him. It's evangelism. That's not the whole discipleship process, but it starts there who are you telling about Jesus? Who are you telling about Jesus? And maybe you're thinking right now, you're like, dude, I don't know. Like maybe someone asks. That's a great start. I'm gonna give you something at the end of this that will help you with that. But who are you telling? Who's on your heart right now that you're like, man, Jesus, I want this person to be a follower of you, a disciple of you, God. I want that person to know you. And now I just like, want you to know that it's, it's God's sovereign choice. It's God's plan for the world. It's, it's God who's sovereign over salvation, but it doesn't change our obligation to tell, right? We don't sweat like every single night and like ball our eyes out thinking like, dude, if I accidentally looked at a guy sideways and he knew I was a Christian and now he doesn't want anything to do with Jesus, like that's my fault, right? No, we trust the Lord, This process, all right. If you cut someone off in traffic, you're like, I have a church bumper sticker on the back of my car. Oh, that guy's never gonna be a Christian now, right? Like, you don't sweat over things like that. Yeah, I've done that before, but um, it's fine, it's fine. Um, anyways, I've definitely cut someone off in the parking lot and then invited them to church after that happened once. I don't think they came, but all that's to say. We don't sweat. We don't, we don't worry about like, oh man, what if for that person because of what I do? No, we trust and we are emboldened. We know it's a commandment. We do it and we trust the Lord with the rest. So first of all, we tell other people about Jesus. And then what else does he say here? Go therefore making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're doing that this weekend. Come on. Yes, we're very excited. We're doing that this weekend, baptism. It is a profession of a private faith, a personal faith in Jesus. This isn't the moment someone gets saved, right? It happens after they're saved. But that's the moment you profess it. And so that's why we do it. It's super important. You're like, why do we dunk people in this tank? Oh, Jesus told us to, and we're going to. And it's an amazing thing. It's a symbolic thing. It's just this powerful thing that God has called his people to do. And so that's what we do. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, the Trinity, just bringing the spirit of God, telling of the, uh, the, kingship, of the, fa- or the kingship of Jesus and the, the sovereignty and the lordship of the Father. We, we, we baptize people, right? And then it says this, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus said a couple things when he was here on this earth. And we have um, inspired by the Holy Spirit the actual words that Jesus said, four different accounts, right, of the same thing that happened, four different perspectives of what happened, the gospels. And we, we know who Jesus is, the words that he says. We have the things that Jesus says. And whole, all of Scripture is pointing to Jesus. All of Scripture is bringing us to the kingship of Christ. And we, and you and I, have an opportunity to teach other people about Jesus. So we evangelize. One, it's going out of your comfort zone, telling other people, how do you teach other people about Jesus? Once you know them, once you're in a relationship with people, you just, you just tell them the things that you know. You teach them the things from Scripture that you know. And here's a really important thing. You don't need to have all the answers to teach people the things you know. You don't need to have a 30-page dissertation about, you know, uh, covenant theology versus dispensationalism in your back pocket to tell other people how to pray or how to read the Bible. You don't need to have a, like, master's degree from Moody to, like, understand, like, certain things about what Jesus taught, Right? Jesus taught in parables so that, like, the elites would be like, this is lame. And then, like, the people who needed to get it, like, understood it. Like, Jesus did this thing. It was incredible. And you and I, with the Spirit and the help of God, can teach others as a 12-year-old, as a 13-year-old, as a 14-year-old. Yes, you absolutely can. If you know someone in your life right now, maybe it's a little brother, your little sister, Or maybe it's somebody who's older than you, but they're a new Christian. You can teach them about Jesus. You can teach them the mysteries of the faith that we hold. You can show them how you study your Bible. You can do those things. Who is that in your life right now? I know plenty of people who are older than me, who have asked me before, why do you read? And I know they know the Lord and they're working. They're like, well, why do you read the Bible though? Like I know Jesus, why do I have to read the Bible? years older than me, and I've been able to disciple them through that process, right? Not because I'm so smart, but because Jesus is good, and you do the same. You can do the same. So what does a disciple look like? It looks like a person who is following and becoming more like Jesus, and as you become and follow more like Jesus, you better have someone right beside you doing the same thing. You better have someone that you have, you're armed around, and you're saying, hey man, I'm going after Jesus, I want you to come with me, and that person has someone in under their arm, and that person has someone, and that's how the gospel goes forth. That's how the gospel goes forth, and so you and me, 2021, where are you, who are you telling? Who are you telling about Jesus? How are you processing with them? How are you discipling them, right? And right now, it might look like going to a bunch of kids on Sunday morning, and it's going to be crazy, and you're like 13, and you're hanging out with a bunch of six- and seven-year-olds on Sunday mornings, with Gabby, and she's telling people about Jesus, and you are like, I don't feel like I'm discipling right now, but I'm just going to do it, and you are, I promise you. When you tell a little kid, 6, 7, 8, you know, six, seven, eight 9, 10 year old about Jesus, and when you ta- teach them the words of Scripture that never returns void, you are in the process of discipling, right? And then maybe someone who's even older than you, and that's super weird and super awkward sometimes, but God empowers you to Do it. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you to do. That's the mission of the church, and that's the mission of Citizens Youth. It really is. We're a community of students learning to live like Jesus, to teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, learning to live for Jesus. That's what it is. That's who we are. That's why we talk from the Bible. That's why we teach from the Bible. That's why we sit together in community throughout the school year and we talk about these things and we apply them to our weeks because it is important. It matters. to who we are. Jesus' mission is to send his disciples to make disciples. Tell other people, be bold, be bold. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. Why? Verse 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's so how Jesus ends this pretty good uh, passage in scripture. Behold, I am with you always. Yes, it's terrifying to get out of your comfort zone and tell someone about Jesus. To tell your friend that you've known for years and they don't really know you're a Christian and then you start talking about Jesus. Yeah, sure, that's scary. It's weird. It's awkward. But do you know who's with you in that moment? Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Kind of makes it worth it. More so than that, when God has called you on mission far away from where you thought you were supposed to be, when God has called you to maybe a different country, different continent, somewhere else in the future, and it's terrifying, you're like, this is weird, and there is physical danger. There is literal people trying to kill me because of my faith, because of where I'm professing the gospel. It's kind of worth it because Jesus says, behold, I am with you in that moment. Jesus is near to you. Jesus is near to you. He has called some of us, right? So he's called uh, all of us to engage in a gospel mission. He's called some of us to do uh, you know, missionary work, as we would call it, right? We're all on mission for Jesus, but going across continents, going across the seas to different cultures and contexts, like God has equipped some people for that. He's called some people for that, but he has called all of his followers to go and make disciples, Right? And he says, behold, I am with you to the end of the age. I am with you in all things. Jesus' proximity gives his disciples peace. That's our last point tonight. Jesus' proximity to his disciples gives his disciples peace. We see the authority, the boldness that we have because of Jesus, right? And then we see the peace that comes with knowing Jesus because he's right there with you to the end of the age. And you're like, how is Jesus with me? Jesus promised, hey, when I leave, when I like get out of here, which he's like literally just about to do, when I like ascend into heaven, a helper will come. Somebody will come to help you. The spirit of God will be with you. And it's like gonna be better that I am not with you because then you're gonna have the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus says. Behold, I'm with you. If you're a Christian, the living dwelling spirit of God lives inside of you. Crazy, insane thing that happens it is true. The temple of God, right? It's inside of our hearts. Pretty cool. Pretty awesome. I've commanded you, I'm with you always to the end of the age. God's spirit is with us, his community. Look around you. God's spirit dwells in you and it dwells in the people around you. Your leaders, your friends. He's got a community. We have a community of people who know about Jesus, who are talking about Jesus, who are singing to Jesus that, Jesus is with us. He's amongst us in, in our hearts when we profess these things. So in our community, in the Holy Spirit, the Bible, right? The living words of God spoken to your heart on a daily basis, amazing, pretty cool. The Bible and then prayer. We need to connect with God actually through prayer, Praying, professing our sins and then asking for forgiveness and then asking for healing and everything, our daily bread. God is there in prayer. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That should give you some peace. Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's weird. Yes, it's awkward. Is it worth it? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Is it worth losing a few friends? It's really sad to say some people in this room would say, nope, it's not worth it. You know where you're at. Is it worth it to have a super weird conversation where someone makes fun of you? Some of you in this room right now say, no, not really. It's not really worth that. When some people would give their very lives and are giving their lives and have been giving their lives and will keep giving their lives, Is Jesus worth it? Yes, 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 yes. He's worth that weird conversation. He is worth the loss of that one friend. Probably not good to have that friend anyway. He is worth it all. He is everything. He is worth it all. And he is with you through those times. Jesus didn't just say, all right, cool, go figure it out. Go make disciples of all nations. Report back to me in 80 years. Give me a report. Let me see how it is. Right, He's not that like passive manager who just like, doesn't care, doesn't give you direction or whatever. He's like, I am with you. I have authority, and I'm calling you, not because you're qualified, but because I've chosen you, and I'm going to be with you in that process. We engage on gospel mission. So where do you need to get out of your chair? What chair do you need to get out of? Where have you gotten just way too comfortable in your life right now? What rhythms, what routines, what people, are you playing it safe? Are you just playing it safe right now? And is it worth it to get out of the chair? It is. We go, go. We don't sit around. We don't wait. We don't build a comfortable, perfect life, right? Can you own a house and make disciples? Yes. I'm not saying sell everything and leave. Some of you may do that, like honestly, and that's awesome and you should and the people who don't should support those people financially just saying uh can you own a house and make disciples 100% it's fine like that's fine you can do those things god has called you to mission god has called you to the nations go therefore and make disciples of all nations are you willing to go across the street for jesus some of us would say yeah of course i like if jesus called me to like die somewhere in the middle east for him i'll do that it's like cool Like, maybe start with your middle school. Like, maybe start with your homeroom class. Maybe start with that other Christian that you know in your class. Maybe start a Christian club. Maybe start something. Just go, just do something. That's what we're doing. I don't want to lead a ministry where people just come and they sit and they receive content and they're like, this is cool. That's not what I'm about. I don't want to have Citizens Youth be a place where we really like Jesus, where we just are like really like the Bible. I want us to submit to his lordship and go and do something because of it. I want these seats filled, not so I can like report back to my bosses and say, give me a raise, I promise. That's not it. I want these seats to be filled because I want us to be having that person beside us and saying, listen to these words. Listen to these things that Jesus is teaching us. I want us to be making disciples. I have no interest in leading this ministry if we're not going to do that. I don't. I want us to do this together. Where do we need to get out of our seats, our chairs? There's a couple ideas I have. There's a couple ideas that our ministry leaders have come up with, right? There's a couple things that we're doing to do this right now. We've decided a couple months ago that we're going to sponsor our youth group to sixth graders that we partner with with Compassion International who are living uh, near the village in Ghana that we're planning our church at, at as NGC. We at Citizens Youth are supporting them financially through the coffee cart. Every single week, You can donate to that, you can give tithes, offerings, you could buy a coffee, and all of those proceeds, 100% of them, go to Citizens Mission. We've decided that as a missions team, we're going to be doing quarterly, we're going to be doing service events, at least once a quarter. We're going to do, we'll just call them serve nights. So we did uh, spring serve, we did summer serve, we're going to do fall serve, winter serve. We're going to do that every single year. We're talking about doing a mission strip here in the States in September, uh, not September, uh, next March or next April, I can't remember specifically. We're going to be engaging gospel mission in that way. And of course, as the church as a whole, we're going to be partnering with them to eventually take some of our uh, youth to our uh, a church in Ghana, or uh, the yeah, in the southeast region of Ghana. We're going to be doing these things. So we as citizens youth are engaging in gospel mission in those ways, but I wanna challenge you, how are you personally going to engage in gospel mission? Yes, I want you guys to partner with us and the things we're doing. We're gonna invite you into those things, but I also wanna watch what you guys have to do. I also wanna watch what you guys have to do. I wanna see how you get with it. I wanna see how God's spirit impresses upon you to reach your class. I could show up on a Tuesday morning at your class, and it would be super weird. I, it's just going to be weird. Like, I'll do it. I'll bring coffee and donuts. It's going to be weird, though, but I'll do it. Like, you know, but if you go in there, right, and you bring, you know, coffee and donuts, and you invite your classroom in, right, it's like, oh, I know this guy, right? He has f- specifically and uniquely created you and put you in a position to spread the gospel and to, to, to go to the nation's, And it starts where you're at right now. So how are you gonna do it? You're gonna start a Christian club at your school. Are you gonna meet 15 minutes before homeroom with a couple other Christians and you're gonna invite other people in the pray with you guys, right? Are you gonna, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? The mission is clear to make disciples, to go therefore make disciples of all nations. And we take courage and know that God is with us always. So I want us to do this thing we have these uh, little buttons up front, and it's, a, it's just an image of our, this right here, the chair. And on it, it has with me written on it, behold, I am with you always. When you get out of your chair, when you get out of your comfort zone, God is with you. And you can look at this, you can confidently know God is with me always when I'm going and I'm, I'm engaging in gospel mission, when I'm spreading the gospel, when I'm telling other people about him, God is with me. And I want this to be another thing for our ministry. I want our ministry to be a place where we are constantly inviting people. Again, not for numbers, not for like whatever, a vibe, or it's none of that. It's to have people come hear the gospel. And so I want this chair to mean another thing, right? We get out of our chair, but I also want this chair to mean there is a seat for you every single Wednesday night. To your friend who doesn't know Jesus, I want them to know that there is a seat for them waiting. There are plenty of seats. God's blessed us with an auditorium with a thousand seats in it. I'm not quite confident we're gonna fill it by next Wednesday. It's gonna take some time, but by the grace of God, we would love to see these seats filled and there's always a spot for your friends who don't know Jesus or who are discovering Jesus, or are interested in Jesus. And you can confidently say, you can come with me. Double meaning there, with me, God is with me. And you can come with me to this place we call citizens, to church on Sunday mornings. You can come sit with me. And so I wanna do this thing. If you're here in this moment and you're like, dude, I am convicted, I need to engage in mission. I need to do something. At the end here, as the band comes up, I, I want to invite you guys, you know, let's do this. After we sing, so at the very end, so I want us to think about these things as we sing, as we, as we worship. If you are down for that, if you're like, I need to gauge in gospel mission, I want you to grab one of these things, one of these pins, I want you to put it and wear it maybe on a bag, maybe on your backpack, somewhere where other people can see it. But I promise you, you have to promise me this. If you take one of these pins, one of these buttons, if you take one, and someone asks you about it, you have to tell them about Jesus. You have to tell them about what this button means, about the mission that he has called you to. And I want you to also tell them about Citizens or Sunday morning or another church in the area if you're connected to that in the future. I want you always, always, when you wear this, to wear it with boldness, confidence, right? You put it right on your forehead, that'd be kind of cool. You put it on your backpack. It's whatever. But if you take one, I want you to promise me When someone asks you, you will tell them and you will invite them. And so that's what that's gonna mean. They're open for you, they're available. If you're here and you're like, I'm not gonna do that, I'd love for you to just not take it then. But I wanna see what God does with these things. It's something so silly. It's like we put plastic on like little things of metal, but like what what could the Lord do with these things? When we are engaged in mission, when we are engaged in telling other people about Jesus, right, it gives us boldness. God is with me and there's always a spot for you with me to come to church, to come to citizens, to be here with me. So we pull up a chair, right? That's what we do every single Wednesday night. That's what I want us to do every single Wednesday night. We get out of our chair, our comfort zone, the thing that we're comfortable with, and we pull up a chair on Wednesday nights, and we say, welcome. This is our super weird youth group. Sometimes we eat fruit by the foot. It's a thing that happens. But there's also this guy named Jesus. Let me tell you about him. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Thank you for this night. Thank you for the truths of your gospel, God. I pray that we would know that you're with us. God, I pray that you would invite us, you'd give us boldness to invite our friends into this ministry, to the church as a whole. God, I pray that you would give us the boldness to uh, tell others about you and to engage on mission, God. Give us that vision. God, if it's to go overseas one day, would you give us the boldness to go to that interest meeting? Could be in a year, could be in two years, could be in five years, whatever it is, God. God, if you give us the vision to to share the gospel with our friends, would you just give us an opportunity? Would you give us a gospel-centered conversation? God if you if you call us to serve our community, people who don't know you to lay down our lives to lay down our time for them, God would you give us the energy and the direction and the vision for those things We love you. God thank you that you're with us. We could confidently say, God, you're with me as I'm out of my comfort zone, you're with me. as I'm out of this, weird thing that I do called life. Like when you're, when I'm out of, you know, my comfort zone into the world, God, you are with me. God, we pray in this, for this next year. God, we pray for what we're about to teach through. I pray that you would give us boldness to invite friends, invite people that we know in our schools, in our homes even, our brothers and sisters who maybe don't know I pray that you would give us boldness to invite people. We are praying for those kids, those students that we are about to meet in the next couple months, God. I pray for their hearts right now. I pray that you would soften their hearts to your truth. You would compel them to yourself, Lord. We love you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I told you I'd tell you about the sermon series we're going through. Right after this moment, the church explodes in a good way, not in a bad way. In a good way, the church erupts. People are going around, people are telling other people about Jesus. They are uniting together and they are professing Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called the book of Acts. We're gonna be going through it this fall. Acts one through three specifically, that's where we're gonna be. So I'm super excited for it. And uh, that's where we're going to be next week. We're starting Acts. And uh, I know many of you guys have asked for it and we're excited for it. And so that's where we're going to be. Invite a friend and there's going to be pizza. Hey, less important, or yes, more important than pizza, not less important, more important than pizza. Uh, students in this room who are getting baptized, would you please stand right now? Yeah, Stay stay standing, stay, stay. It's okay, we're getting baptized. Getting dunked on Sunday, we're super excited for it. I want you guys to do this. Um, If there's a person next to you, I just want you to uh, put your hand on their back or if they're like kind of a little far away, just like reach out your hand to them, not in some like super spiritual way, it's just symbolizing that we're praying for them. So would you just like put a, a hand on them or would you point to them? Would you be with them in this moment? I'm gonna pray for you guys right now. First of all, congratulations. I'm so excited for you. Uh, this, is, this is part of the mission to baptize other people, right? This is it. And you guys are doing it on Sunday. I'm so proud of you. This is the profession of faith. And so we, as your brothers and sisters in Christ will be there for you. We will be watching you. We will be excited for that moment. So God, we pray for these people right now. who are getting baptized. God, be with them. Thank you for this step of obedience that you have brought to them. Um, God, we pray right now um, against all uh, confusion, against all doubt, against all spiritual attacks right now. God, would you give them boldness now and for the rest of their lives. Help us to be good brothers and sisters in Jesus and support them. God, for the people in this room who aren't baptized yet, I pray that you would encourage them and embolden them to do those things as well. We love you, God. Thank you for these precious souls, these precious people who are gonna profess their faith in you. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a blast. It's gonna be a party. And uh, we're so thankful for that. God, thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. That's right. Let's celebrate. All right, let's sing together. Come on.